Hey, this is Don Felder, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks with John Caddick. Hey, what's up, people? Jason Newstead here. You're checking out Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 483 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best hard rock, rock, and blues talk on the net. Episode 483, we've got a wide variety of different genres for you. We have joining us Amos Lee. Amos, who has had, to his credit, a number one album on the Billboard uh, charts, uh, has got a new single out called Worry No More. Uh, which has shot up the pop charts uh, and, and some other of the ancillary Billboard charts as well from his new album, Dreamland, uh, which is available now. Uh, he's going to be coming in to do a show at the Bayam Theater in Pittsburgh in April, so we're going to talk to him in just a few minutes to let you learn a little about Amos music if you're not familiar. We also have joining us uh, a woman who uh, really impressed me. I, I think her name opens a lot of doors uh, just because of her last name, but I, I really um, wanted to kind of go out of my way in talking to her to really focus on her music. Uh, I am talking about Deborah Bonham, who uh, is releasing an album with her husband, uh, Bonham, Bonham Billick, uh, is the title of the album, is it the, you know, as it's branded. So we're going to talk to her about her career, which in the United States maybe has gone a little bit under the radar, um, but it's had a very successful, long career. Uh, making a kind of classic blues rock based music a phenomenal phenomenal singer uh, you know obviously it's easy to get overshadowed uh, but we really wanted to shine a light on what Deborah has done and then finally we are joined by uh, Riot Act which is um, a combination of some members of the former metal band Riot who have put together an album uh, we'll talk about that in just a little bit but first we're going to talk to Amos Lee Amos, as I said, is doing a show at the Byam Theater in Pittsburgh, a great place to see a show, a very intimate uh, theater style, uh, much like the Benetton, the Palace Theater, uh, maybe more in line size-wise, a little bit smaller. Uh, Amos, a fantastic singer, has gone up the, the singles charts in the United States now. He had a, a number one album, as I mentioned off the top, uh, a few years back, uh, has worked with... The Zach Brown Band. Uh, he has done a, a couple albums on the Uncaged, or a couple songs on the Uncaged album. He's toured with Bob Dylan. Uh, really hard to pin a genre on Amos's music. Uh, his latest single, "Worry No More," uh, has gone up and become quite a hit on radio. He's performed on daytime talk shows and and such. It's, so the song is maybe a little more in the pop genre, but when you listen to the album as a whole. There's so much more to it than just calling it pop music. So we're going to uh, play you a little bit of Amos Lee, and then we'll get into that interview and let him tell you about his music. Even when I lose a winner, even when I fail to place, when I fall off the map and disappear without a trace, 
Even when I can't breathe in And I'm falling out of line Everybody around me says that everything gon' be alright See the light See the light See the light I 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 see the light on the line all the way from Philadelphia. We have Amos Lee on the line. How you doing, Amos? Hey, how you doing? Nice to be here. Hopefully it's not too crazy loud where I am. No, I'm no. out on the, the cold streets of Philadelphia right now. Uh, <laughs> it's very windy. <laughs> yeah, it's the the weather is a changing in Pennsylvania today. As we've we've come to realize, one day it's 70, and the next day it's 30. Um, so it's deciding yep. which one it wants to be right now. But uh, you're going to be coming in, hopefully, when it's a little bit warmer, uh, near the end of April on the 20th, to do a show at the Byam Theater, which uh, previously was the Fulton Theater here in Pittsburgh. Um, going to do a, a okay. nice kind of intimate show with uh, Jensen McRae opening. And you've got an album now that's about four or five weeks old, if my math is correct, with Dreamland. Can you talk a little bit about how you've grown since, you know, the, the 2018 album, you know, musically where these songs came from? Sure. Um, so this record, the Dreamland album, which is the new one, um, kind of, you know, hold on. Folks really like loud cars. <laughs> um, the, the Dreamland album um, was kind of an experiment, honestly as much as anything else. Um, and really so was my new moon in a way. Like I had, I had an experience where I hung out with Bill Withers for a day and he, and you know, rest in peace. But, um, he and I had like a pretty interesting conversation about the role of an acoustic guitar Mm -hmm. in a songwriter's recording life. Um, and you know, Bill has some great acoustic guitar playing, but he, doesn't really finger pick a lot if you listen to his records and obviously i'm not comparing myself to bill withers just talking about like a Mm -hmm. person who i who i have an a a huge amount of admiration for and like how his recordings were were kind of like came to life and um so he was like yeah you know sometimes you need to get away from the guitar a little bit you know and you can listen to some of that stuff like use me um, you know, Grandma's Hands is interesting because it is guitar-based, but, like, you don't even kind of realize it. Yeah, like, you don't hands. notice it, yeah. But anyway, I wanted to get away from, like, driving everything with my acoustic for a record. And really, I tried to do that a lot on My New Moon, but this is even more so that way. I mean, there's a couple songs that are guitar-based, like uh, Into the Clearing and Clean, um, but the other the other songs really were collaborative with the producer, and wanting to kind of create like bigger soundscapes, use more modern sounds, use like more modern arrangement ideas too. Um, it's really fun to experiment. And over the last couple of years of like being home, I've gotten more into that. And so the new record, like I've actually I have another record that I I'm almost. I'm working on. I've got a lot of stuff done for it, but um, I don't know how how have I grown. I don't know if I've grown as much as I've just like keep trying to unearth 
new ideas in my own artistic life. That sure. sounds a little pretentious, but no. It, it, what I'm trying to say is like I, I really am. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if I'm like giving more answers, but I'm asking more questions to myself and like offering new places to explore my songs and my songwriting and being more collaborative, like really interests me. Um, I've had some incredible experiences over the last few years with orchestras. Mm -hmm. I know that Pittsburgh has gr a great orchestra. Absolutely. And, uh, I really love to play with your orchestra sometimes. So if you, if you want to put that out into the pull, world, through your podcast, strings. that would be great. Yeah. I enjoyed, <laughs> yeah, enjoyed your performance strings. with, uh, at Red Rocks it was, uh, breathtaking yeah. to say the least. That had to be a, yeah, a, a surreal, a surreal experience. That you know, when you think of the the people that have stood on that stage right where you were, uh, and to do that level of performance was fantastic. Um, Amos, do you still write? Like when you you sit down to write, it's real or something like that for this album. Do you still write with an acoustic, or, or did you kind of let yeah. the music dictate? Or are you okay? No, mo most of it is written on a guitar. Um, there were a couple things during the recording of this of Dreamland where, like, some of the, like, I wrote a couple of bridges um, in the studio, like, kind of more in the moment. Um, like, but that's happened to me a lot of my career because as a writer, I feel like sometimes... And this is, I don't know, I, I, I get the feeling that your podcast is probably a music person's podcast. And yeah. there's probably a lot of songwriters who listen to you. And we all understand that, like, the bridge is always the place. Like, where we're like, mm -hmm. am I doing this? Like, is this, should I do, like, is this bridge, do I need one? You know, that's like the classic thing. It's like, the song needs a bridge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but sometimes it really does. And like, if you take a song like "Windows Are Rolled Down," which was on that uh, that Red Rocks album, you know, there is a there is an instrumental bridge that didn't really exist before the record recording was made. Um, so those moments can be really powerful. So, in, a, in anyway, the, the point I'm making is most of it is written beforehand, but there are definitely times where I will manipulate a uh, an arrangement in the studio that will come up with new ideas. Yeah, it, uh, it certainly, uh, you know, I think when I listen to it, a very kind of an introspective album, would you tend to write first-person kind of, you know, situations or your person that thinks, you know, tries to think of, you know, third-person observer sort of things, you know, as you're putting putting your lyrical ideas together i mean it's probably a marriage of the two um it's a hard thing to really to to, to kind of really qualify because um like there are probably some things that are mildly first person and mildly, you know, observational and wildly abstract. Hmm. And there are other things that are just entirely abstract, which is meant I've never experienced them. I don't know anyone who's experienced them. I'm just kind of writing what's coming to me at the moment. Right. 
And then there are other things where I'm like trying to communicate directly about someone else's experience. So you asked a specific question and I gave you a very varied answer, which is actually going to be probably the most of this podcast. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the lyrics, like I'm looking at the lyrics to worry no more. And when I read it, you know, it's, it's very much like a poem where I look at this and I, you know, I have to kind of think, what is he, what is he meaning by this? You know, they're not necessarily lyrics that hit you over the head with a story, or you know, this one's obviously about a woman or, or whatever. You know, and I think that's kind of what makes it captivating. Is it, you know, it's it's not, um, you know, there's room for interpretation on the listener's end, and I think that that adds. Uh, quite a bit to it thank god yeah thank god i'm so glad you said that because like one thing i sometimes feel like my writing is a bit too didactic but um i like songs that are a bit more abstract to be honest um sometimes like i you know i like phil oaks Mm -hmm. um i like a lot of phil oaks songs i don't know why i'm bringing him up specifically but phil oaks had a lot of like all protest songs but they were like about a thing and he would write about them and uh, I I respect that kind of writing I don't do it very well Um, I I think I have a bit of more of a general kind of thing about life Um, you know Phil was very driven and had like very specific ideas. I'm trying to think of other writers who are like that. Because if you think about Prime, I mean, Bill Withers had, they were abstract in a different way. You know, like, they were just so universal. Like, Grandma's Hands is like, just so universal. Like, there's no one who is, can't understand that song. Um, you know, Prime is abstract in his own way because you think he's writing about something and then he just spins it all around in like two lines like if you listen to Jesus the missing years you're just like this is the most genius shit I've ever heard it's so fucking good and it's kind of goofy I don't really know what he's talking about is he talking about himself is he talking about Jesus is he talking about someone else so I mean I appreciate that you're even using the word poem when it comes to my stuff because I didn't study English but um, to me they're just like they're ideas that are hopefully like gonna find find some place in someone else and and they can interpret them however the hell they please. Like I love yeah. when people tell me things about my own songs that I'm like, I would have never thought of that. That's yeah. so much better. Yeah, I think I think of uh, you know, for me when I when I look at Bono's lyrics, I walk away with a, I'm not never quite sure what it's about but there's such, you know, these lo- the lines just you know, to me, speak to me, even though I don't necessarily understand what it's saying. One song that, that to me, I think felt like I imagine a ton of people could take and kind of make it their own was Hold You. Um, was that one in mm. particular about, you know, a situation, or was this, again, just sort of a, you know, the lyrics just sort of flow out of you that could be about anything? I see. I I have my own version of it, but here's something like that that kind of goes along with the entire thing we're talking about here, which is if I tell you my version of it, 
I feel like I'm spoiling yeah. someone else's version of it for themselves. No, that, that's very fair. So I'll just I'll just tell you that I have my own version of it, but I I my interest is that other people have their own versions of it more than expressing my own. Uh, that's so a, that's a really good it answer. Is, yeah, it, it it is about something, but um, I'll just keep that under wraps and then. You know, I'm I'm glad you you dig that one. It was sort of a came out of the, you know, I write a lot of songs for these records, mm -hmm. and um, that one kind of just came out of going to a bunch of tunes and talking to the producer and being like, I relate to this. Do you? Yeah. Okay. But it's a really interesting example of how taking the guitar out of my hands really changes yeah. a song. Yeah. Because if I play that song for you on acoustic guitar, it's really different. Maybe it's a little too sentimental. I don't know. But the the, uh, the arrangement that he came up with, that we came up with, but he came up with, is so good. I really love the arrangement a lot. I like the, I like kind of how we're just talking, we want to talk lyrics, but I can talk to you about the musical idea of it. Yeah. I like the restraint. Um, and then like the... You know, the climax is reaching out, and, like, that's just so beautiful to me. I just, I love those, I love, I love when a good plan comes together, but I, I do love when a, you know, when an arrangement tells you more about a song than you thought you knew before, too. It's the same thing. It's like the producer's understanding of the song really is as important as, my understanding of the songs we, we're hearing different things like I might yeah. hear a smaller more intimate idea of that but I you know this is the thing it's like music at its essence is collaborative sure. even in even when I'm playing you a song it's still collaborative because it takes you to listen to it for it to really be alive it's sort of like um, God I don't know. There's probably tons of fairy tales that are like this, but it's almost like its life depends on the people around it. Like yeah. you are the the fans are the fuel to these songs. Like I write them, and then they just sit in the garage. But the fuel is the people and their their experience and their their love for music that fuels these these songs in the live environment and. Uh, it's it's a wonderful thing to experience, honestly. Yeah. It almost reminds me, I believe it was the Velveteen Rabbit, you know, kind of analogy there. You know, yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it, it that's takes, right. It takes me, you know, when I listen to this song and I think, wow, you know, this is, you know, maybe someone else doesn't have that thought at all. They listen to the lyrics, they listen, you know, listen to the words, and maybe it's like, ah, oh, that's kind of a throwaway track. And then I listen to it and think, wow, I can think of three, four times in my life where I've been in, in a situation where it's like you're speaking what I was thinking, um, it, but you're right. It's it's a very it's a two way street, you know. But you know, it still takes. Yeah, it's it's why I it, it's part of why I think the album format is so good. Yeah. Because you know you live with these. Let's just say like I don't know how you're old, right? You're old yeah. like me. We're yeah. both old. <laughs> we'll go with that. Yes. So we so we know what it was like to like not have every album at your fingertips and really like only being able to afford one or two records a month maybe yeah. 
So you buy a record on Tuesday that you're stoked about. You listen to it and you're like, I don't really like it. This is different. It's kind of weird. Not what I wanted. But you don't have any other albums. So you have to keep listening to it. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. I like this. You're exactly right. And uh, it's a crazy experience. And I really hope, because we do have such a, like, I don't want to use the word, like, I don't want to use just a pejorative word here, like disposable, because it's it's not necessarily disposable if it makes an impact on you. But we have so many options now. Yeah. Like, how do we listen to music as like invested in a album, in an album, so that a song becomes something more to us? Like, I swear to God, I had this happen to me. There was a commercial that came on because I watch a lot of football. Mm-hmm. And there was a commercial that was on during football season. And I'm sure by the song Hold You, I'm sure you wouldn't think that I was a football fan. But two ex-football players wrote I Can't Make You Love Me by Bonnie Raitt. So you can't judge anything by anything. <laughs> so anyway, there, there was a song that came on. First time it came on, I was like, this song is the most annoying song I've ever heard. I hate it. And like by the tenth time, and I don't know if it's just advertising wearing me down, possible, but like I was like, you know what? Actually, it's not that bad. So I I really wonder what the psychological thing that happens when you listen to a song more than once and have an immediate reaction to it. Yeah. Like, uh, would you like more songs in your life? I don't know. I, I recall and this was right before. Detroit and every auto manufacturer took CD players out of a car and there was a band I was very much into and I won't give away the name but they had a new album I intentionally avoided every YouTube lyric video everything associated with the new album until the street date took the CD right put it in my car in the CD player and did not take it out for a week and didn't listen to anything else and I had about an hour drive to work at the time to this day, I absolutely love that album, and I can tell you how many times I've heard people trash it, but I think sometimes, like you said, the ability to go on Spotify, oh, this song from Mammoth isn't doing anything for me, I'll jump over and listen to John Prine. I can go anywhere I want to listen to anything I want within seconds. It doesn't. You're not as emotionally committed to it, um, you know, like you said, you know. Take that album, live with it. You know, even if you don't like it, give it another try. You know, maybe if you really hate it, you take it back and sell it secondhand and lose half your money. But odds are you're going to stick yeah. with it a little bit before you do it. You're, you're absolutely right. I think that makes a big, big difference. Amos, you're, you're kind of the part yeah, of... Yeah, I point, just wonder what that's like. You're kind of the point of your career when, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you've got enough albums under your belt that, you know, it's got to be getting kind of hard to pick set list. Is it... When you have a new album like this, is it hard to decide what to pull out to, to stick a new song in? It's hard for me to know what people want, you yeah. know, on a live show. Like I'm, I don't, I don't know. Like we, um, you know, in the past, it's been interesting because in the past we've, like, I, so I never really approached the same the same song the same way twice. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you listen to me sing Keep It Loose, Keep It Tight on Monday in Pittsburgh, and I play it Thursday in Indianapolis, you're going to hear me do it 
differently. Now, will that be appreciably different to where you hear it? Maybe not, but to me, it is different. Mm -hmm. So, like, sometimes I just like exploring the same songs over and over again, but um, I know that people want to come to the show and, and hear a bunch of stuff. Like, I'm not, I don't really have any hits, so they want to hear a bunch of songs. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of hard to make set lists, but not really. Like, I, think I so. like playing all of them. Like, there are, no, there are no songs I hate, so that's good. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. You, you don't think about that, but there, there are people out there that, you know, I assume dread playing their hit. You know, it's kind of it, it's a great thing because it paid you know for for mortgages and alimony and things like that. But sometimes you think, God, you know, I've heard this song so many times in my life. I can't imagine having to play this every night on an eighty city tour. You know, has to get a little yeah. harsh for thirty years. But I, I guess it's a it's probably a light cross to bear, I should say. So, Amos, I want to thank you so oh, much. Yeah. The the new album Dreamland is available now for those um, interested in checking it out. Highly, highly recommend it. You'll be in town at the Biome Theater on the 20th with uh, Jensen McRae. Ought to be an awesome night. She's a, a fantastic up-and-coming artist, so it's going to be a great night of music. And I want to thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks uh, thanks very much. And uh, Yinzers are some of my favorite people, so I love you guys. All right, a big thank you. Amos Lee will be coming to the Biome Theater on April 20th. The new album, Dreamland, is out now. Uh, really encourage you, even if you're not a fan of, you know, we have a lot of metal fans, rock fans, blues fans that listen to the show. Amos's music, um, I think, kind of stirs in a lot of different stuff. Uh, very, very hard to kind of nail it down, and I encourage people to maybe step out of their comfort zone and give it a listen because I think it's an, he's got an incredible songwriting uh, knack to him, and, and the lyrics I think really are inspiring and thought-provoking. So. Invite you to check that out. We're going to turn our attention now to a woman whose name, in the halls of rock, uh, Bonham, obviously, kind of goes without saying. She is the sister of the late Led Zeppelin drummer John Bonham. She is the aunt of Jason Bonham, um, and that really is enough to talk about the two of them because this is really about Deborah. Deborah and her husband Peter Bullock um, have put together an album which will be out on April 29th the album self-titled uh, is, a, is a blues rock extravaganza um, Deborah has long had a very successful solo career um, with Peter on guitar uh, but this time you know they kind of put their stamp on it collectively you know they had the kind of pandemic to, to kind of focus on this album uh, Peter no slouch on guitar had played uh, when Paul Rogers did his Spirit of Free um, tribute to you know his work during the period of, of the band Free, Peter was his guitarist. Um, so you know when they did the tour with um, Paul Rogers and um, Jeff back, Peter you know was playing guitar and an opportunity to to you know play with one of the greatest singers of all time and Deborah easily measures up to that um, you know and I don't take that compliment lately I think Paul Rogers is one of the greatest singers ever um, but Deborah and, and Peter really have made a fantastic album the album will be available on April 29th we're going to give you a taste of that now and then we'll get into that interview with Deborah. I don't know why I love you like I do but I do Lord I do Ooh. 
don't know why you treat me like you do, but you do, Lord, you do. You hurt me over and over, Lord, you do me in a way that you please. But no matter, no matter how you treat me, baby. Can't seem to leave My pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have on the line Deborah Bonham. How are you doing, Deborah? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me on your show. Absolute pleasure. I wanted to talk to you. You have uh, a self-titled album coming out. I guess self-titled is you and uh, uh, Peter Bullock have, Peter, have, my yeah, husband, yeah. have put together yeah, a phenomenal it's, kind of... It's called Bonham Bullock. Yeah. Um, it's called Bonham Bullock, and it, and it really... That name, it sort of encapsulates the whole band. I mean, 
because this was a new project coming out on a new great record label, um, California-based Corto Valley Records. And um, it, it was a whole new project of doing uh, our interpretations of some great classics and obscure uh, songs, you know. And I just thought for years it's been Deborah Bonham or the Deborah Bonham band. Right. And, and really, I, I just thought it was about time because it was a new project that I wanted it to encompass the band a bit more. And, and certainly with Pete, you know. So we just ended up um, coming up with Bon and Bullock, and, um, and, and that's, just, that's uh, the name change. But it is still Deborah Bonham, and it's still Peter Bullock on guitar, and it's still the same band. It's just, I just wanted to feature it a bit more. Yeah, and it's certainly, it's, it's, a, it's a f interesting record. It's got, you've got a lot of um, kind of blues, but, you know, Peter's sound, is, you've got a little driving rock, but there, there's certainly a... Um, a soul to it even it, you know when i listen to you i can't help but hear a little at a james sort of thing going on there it, it was it thank you was something that you just kind of this is when you were looking for songs to do do you kind of look at you know here's songs we love or are these songs that you hear that you say boy my voice would work well in that or somebody heard you singing yeah. around the house or how absolutely. do you absolutely yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, thank you for, for that analogy as well, because it is exactly that. It's rooted in the blues. Mm -hmm. But, of course, Pete um, is a blues rock player as well. Uh, you know, that's his... He, he, he loves that. I love that. The whole band does, and we're very much that at live on stage, you know. It's very powerful. But I'm a, a, a big soul girl as well, you know. I, I love... Um, all the Motown, I love Otis Redding and Rita Franklin. I mean, totally love Etta James and uh, Felipe Wynn, the, the spinners, you know, we, we call them the Detroit spinners over here. But um, So, yeah, it, it naturally, all those little bits leak into whatever, whatever we do. So when it was suggested about doing a, a sort of blues-esque um, blues album, I just knew that, it, you know, it had got to be us. It had got to come from the heart and the mm -hmm. soul, and it had to be organic, which meant it wasn't going to be totally traditionally blues because that's not us. Right. So um, it was quite a challenge um, taking some of these songs, and, and that's exactly how I, how I picked the songs. I went through them very carefully because... the the main thing for me was doing, you know, showing the respect to the original artist and the, and the original writers. And so I, um, I really kept thinking, you know, can we do this? Does this fit the way I sing? Does this fit the way the band plays? Rather than, oh, my God, I love that Etta song. I'm just going to do it anyway. Right. Etta's done it, you know. So I really... I, for me to try and do something that she's done or Aretha Franklin, I, I would be a bit sort of, you know, I wouldn't touch it with a bath. Yeah. So I picked songs that are from primarily um, male male fronted, but I did pick an Ann Peebles song. Who I'm a huge fan of Ann Peebles, and that weighed heavy on my shoulders. But we did it in a very very different way. And I knew I could bring something to it. So it was all about that. You're right. It was about choosing the songs that I knew we could bring something to. And yeah. because I've been with this band for so long, you know, I know what they can do. 
Sure. Um, I know how far I can push them, and I know how far they can go. So, um, yeah. I mean, we had about 100 songs at one point, oh, and okay. I just whittled them down. You know, I kept imagining how I, how I was going to sing it and how the band, how I was going to produce it and how the band were going to play it. Um, and that was what... That's how I landed on the 13 tracks I picked. Deborah, when you do... You mentioned 100 songs, and, and that's still you know, a tremendous amount to kind of wade through to decide. Do you, are, are you a person who, you know, when you do a song, are you harder on yourself as a critic or do you go to Peter or, you know, other members of the band or producers and say, you know, which one of these do you think I do best? Or, or is that something that you kind of no, self... I'm, 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 I'm the hard one. I, okay. I'm, the, I'm the big critic. Um, and that's pretty much why I, I decided on this album, at, at, at this stage in my life, I wanted to produce it myself as well, because nobody knows me better than me, mm -hmm. and nobody except Pete, possibly, um, knows me as well as I do. Um, and nobody knows the band better than me, really, for what they can do. So I just thought, this is crazy going to another producer, because they won't know how far this band can go. and. And I just wanted to do it myself. So, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I'm I'm a big critic. I've, I've got a naturally built-in crapometer, I call it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I sort of know pretty pretty soon this is absolute rubbish. And the problem is that for much of my career, when I've been working with other people, I've not quite had that confidence to be able to say no. This is this is crap. I'm not I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, when I get pushed right to the edge, I have done. But as I've got older, I found my voice a lot more. You know, I've just sort of found a way of being able to be diplomatic about stuff. Some sometimes, not all the time, mm -hmm. but I have found a way to try and be diplomatic about it. But you know, to to end up getting it where I wanted to wanted to go. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's my name on it, and I, I just. I just um, I want to just be able to it to be the best that I can do and and you know in the in the past there have been things that I haven't thought of been that way you know but this one I'm I'm really really very proud of I think it um, it, it it says everything about us as a band and and it's the, the best that the guys have played and yeah no I'm really proud of this one is it um, your relationship with Peter professionally is it is it can you kind of talk about i mean you've worked with other musicians for a long time but to work with your spouse is that easier because you have i imagine in in some respects a lot of married couples have sort of esp for like you know for you know some communication that goes yeah. beyond words but does that yeah. make it sometimes challenging um because you're maybe worried about hurting someone's feelings, or, or maybe you're not. Beautifully put, John. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that was that was very diplomatically put too. Yeah, <laughs> I think you know what I'm saying. Court. I've been on. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we're like any other American. We've been we've been together 31 years, coming up 32 years, and we've been married um, 21 of those. Um, but from the day we met, when I got up on stage, we were at a, a, a friend's wedding. I knew the, the groom, and he knew the bride. Mm -hmm. And he was in the band. Uh, he, he was in a, a, a 
bar band, really, a, a, a sort of blues rock kicking uh, bar band that they offered as a wedding gift to play at the at the at the, the reception, you know, the the, the celebration evening uh, party. And I went to it, and I got up and sang with them, and and that was it. We just clicked, and we we've, we've never really been apart since that day. And so that's a lot of. 24-7, you know, yeah. in most married couples' lives, it's people go out to work, you know, separate, you know, mm-hmm. they, they at least get some respite, they go off and work, but we don't, we work together, we, we live together, everything about our life is entwined, you know, so, um, yeah, without a doubt, it's had its moments where it's, um, it's certainly got a little bit uh, uh, hectic, a little bit volatile, a little bit, um, you know, all of those things. But at the end of the day, we both completely respect each other yeah. as, as, as musicians, and he respects my judgment um, above all, and I respect his playing. I just know there's nobody else like him um, for, for for playing his guitar. He's just, he, he moves me, you know. I mean, it's just amazing sometimes how he can, if I fire him up, and I do need to fire him up sometimes, <laughs> and he looks at me and he, he's starting to guess what I'm doing when I'm sort of winding him a bit, because I know once I've got the, the fire in him, he'll pick up that guitar and play the hell out of it, you know. Yeah. But yeah, no, we both we both know, and, and on stage we know before it, it sort of happens. So yeah, you're right, there is that type of connection. Yeah. I, um, to, to be yeah, married... It wouldn't... You know, there's no what. Sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to say to be married that long is, is an accomplishment in in you know modern society. To have a bandmate that long in modern society is also commendable. To do them simultaneously is you know that that's a that's a special thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's got better as we've got older. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we were younger, we were both pretty volatile, and I think. Um, you know, when you're younger, the, just the most trivial of things seem to matter so much, you know. And you look back, and even as a band, you know, we'd be on a tour bus sometimes, and we'd all fall out over the... over. We wouldn't even know what we'd fallen out about the next day. Um, and I think as we've all got older, it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know. It's yeah. sort of we've all calmed down a bit. Yeah. And... Um, so it's a lot, lot easier now. But yeah, it, it has its moments. But I couldn't, I couldn't imagine being. Well, first of all, you know, I couldn't be in one band and him being another. That would never work for us. Sure. And I, I, you know, that just wouldn't work. Uh, so yeah, it, it it works the way it is, and um, it, it's great because it means we we do. I, I would be very distressed if I had to leave home and be in another band and, and he was in another band going off on tour. I wouldn't be able to cope with that. So, um, yeah, yeah, it works well for us. And, some, yeah. you know, when we're in the UK, if we're touring in the UK, we take the dogs with us as well. So yeah. it's, a, it's a real family affair, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. I, I remember talking to Ann Wilson, and she was actually the reason I asked that question because I just saw a quote from her the other day that said, you know, it's it's harder to keep a band together than to keep a family together. You know, that was you know kind of her 
her quote and it got me thinking about you know when you're performing with with a loved one um you know you see some some father sons in bands i've seen you know i've seen ex spouses in bands um you know what it's like to kind of do that and you know be on the road i mean it's been a little different the last few years obviously you're stuck at home with him but um you know, and maybe yeah. that, that's a good time to make an album. And we, I mean, we, we, um, we, we, we got through that as well. I mean, we, it, I think the key is, you know, with, with being in the band and the music, um, we very much have our, our roles uh, mm-hmm. that, we, that we take care of. You know, Pete, Pete leaves the production and um, the, the basic... I write all the songs. That doesn't mean to say that it's not... I don't share it with all the band because I write the melody, I write the chords, and then I hand it to the band and we form it into whatever, however it ends up. I, I sort of know where it's always going to go, but the band bring their thing to it. Pete doesn't really, um, you know, he won't come with an idea. He, it's always me, and then he puts his thing to it. Mm-hmm all his ideas uh, to my original song idea. Um, so he very much lets me uh, not control it, but steer all of that. And certainly with the production of the album, he let me do that too. He had lots of input and certainly, you know, all, all of his guitars and he had in, uh, production in, idea input as well. But he lets me do that. And then when we go on tour, um, he takes care of everything. He organizes us from the minute we, we get up and get out the gate, you know, and he does that with the whole band. And I just don't interfere with anything. I just take his, his you know, his uh, his instruction and just make sure I'm there and, and on the stage, you know, when he tells me I've got to be there. So we sort of don't step on each other's toes too much, you know? Yeah, and that, that's really um, And brilliant. I think that works really well for us as well. Yeah, I think that, you know, you kind of, have your lanes you stay in, and, and that probably works well, and is probably a good lesson for any band. Um, I see you you do have yeah. um, some dates, uh, you know, kind of forthcoming concert wise. I mean, is uh, and you just did a live stream. Yeah. Is it kind of nice to be able to to play some music again? You know. Oh I'm, wow, yeah. I mean, that was the main thing during the lockdown. You know, I, I'm both Pete and I really miss the band i mean you know we've been a band for years and years um so we're the closest of friends we're all we're i mean we are family really and i we really missed them and when we were able to get together it was just so great and we did um a couple of festivals early on in january they were indoor festivals about four thousand people at each mm-hmm. and it was as if we, we were in, in the traps, you know, and the trap door got released. And we went out with a bang. I mean, it was just, yeah, we're back at it, you know. And the crowd went mad, and it was just absolutely fantastic. It was just such great, great fun. And we were able to do some of the new album as well, which was brilliant. So, um, you know, we did the, the, the live stream as well, which is a bit strange because you're not in front of an audience yeah you know that that was but we got through it because the thing with this this band is we just love being on stage so we have such a great time between us on stage um the audience is just a great great big 
huge bonus. And if they get what we're doing, that is just wonderful. Yeah. You know, but we do have a great time on stage. We have a great time in rehearsal, you know. <laughs> so um, to be able to be out playing live again, yeah, it's it's absolutely fantastic. And we've all wait, been waiting a long time for it. And I think um, the, the the audience, the audiences out there have been waiting as well. I think we all just need some good music and, and a good night out, you know, because it's all been a bit, it's yeah. all been a bit doom and gloom, you know, with the pandemic and the state of the world and everything. Uh, we just all need a bit of great music and a bit of peace and love and and uh, and a great night out. I think. You know, that's exactly it. I think you know you you, you hit the nail right on that. I think people need that. You know, if it's an hour and a half, two hours, five hours, whatever. Just something to step out of the you know yeah. the realities of the world sometime, and that's always been one of the great things about music. You could have the crappiest day it is. until I mean, the curtain drops, it's and just the feel good factor. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's totally the feel good factor, and it transports you somewhere else for that hour and a half or two hours or whatever. You know, you're 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 somewhere else, and and it's all about that music and the performance, and and it's it's for for the for the bands on stage, for the musicians on stage, and, and for the audience. It's just like you're in this little different world for those couple of hours, and it, it is, it's very necessary, and it's yeah. great to have it back. Deborah, if folks want to get the, the, the new album in the United States, is it would it be available, do you know, on Amazon? I know DeborahBonham.com, you've got oh, yeah, T-shirts yeah, it's, and CDs. It, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a U.S.-based record label, okay. um, Porter Valley Records, and... Uh, you know, I, I have to give them a shout because I mean they're, they're, they've been amazing with her, with us. They've let us um, do what we do. You know, they've been very good in not not interfering with the music or trying to change us or anything. They've been superb, and they they're a great, great, great label, Grammy nominated. You know, they're fantastic. So they're they're in um, the states. And yeah, it will be available on all those platforms and, and, and digitally and, and in, in the regular shops. That if uh, I mean we're losing those by the minute in the UK, the, the yeah. record shops. But yeah, it, I don't it know is. how it is in America now. But other than the the niche main, vinyl, you know, uh, that's kind of the, the the only thing that does seem to be on the increase, or you know, the, the actual physical vinyls. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we I think we're talking about vinyl as well. So. You know, at the moment we're just getting getting the album out because it's, it's we recorded it just before um, 20 March 2020, so mm -hmm. before the pandemic hit, and then we couldn't get it mixed or finished because the pandemic hit. Right. So I had to do that remotely with this amazing engineer Tim Oliver from Peter Gabriel's studio over here, and uh, we did it remotely by the via emails and internet that was a challenge but yeah. then when they lifted the the um, restrictions for a while I was able to go over there and we had it we were able to get together and do it, do it and then well. we were going to release it and come over to the, uh, to the states to tour as well but then there was it went back into lockdown and yeah. um, and the pandemic just went on you know so we basically had to stand back for 18 months yeah um so yeah it's uh it's 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 been a long time coming we're just desperate to get it out and get out and play it now and we're we're hoping so we, we just want to do that and then we're hoping that it will the vinyl will follow mm -hmm. and we're also hoping that come the fall 
we'll be able to get out um, over there, which is, we so want to come back to the U.S. Yeah, that would be wonderful um, to, to so, see you guys. You know, the last time we were there was 2019. We came out in 2018 with Paul Rogers, Jeff Beck, and Ann Wilson, um, and did the Stars Align tour where uh, the, our band backed Paul Rogers, which was fantastic, yeah. and then I opened up, and it, we had a fantastic tour. It was amazing. And we came back in 2019 to the East Coast, so we played in uh, a, the cutting room in New York, which was absolutely amazing, and uh, Dow Hall's place, which was... Uh, I couldn't quite believe I was at Dow Hall's uh, <laughs> venue, you know. It was really cool. And Levon Helm as well. So we did some really cool venues. And then the idea was the album came out and we came back, and of course it, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, so thanks. we're just eager to get going now with this record and, and get over there and play as soon as the restrictions lift enough for us to do that. Awesome. Well, Deborah, I want to thank you so much again. The album is available uh, April 29th, is it? Am I April 29th. 29th, okay, the date right. April 29th. There's, there's a single coming out. Um, it's a, uh, called Can't You See What You're Doing To Me. It's an old Albert King song. Yeah. And that comes out on March 25th. And um, there'll be pre-orders then for the album. So, yeah, we're, we're really, really excited about it. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Deborah. I hope you have a wonderful day, and hopefully we'll see you in the United States before too long. Uh, yeah, and thank you so much, John. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. All right, a big thank you to Deborah Bonham. Uh, Bonham Billick will be out April 29th. Uh, fantastic, fantastic record, and want to thank her so much. She's such a, a lovely person to talk to. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, you, you really are talking to you know one of the families of you know the most important musical families of someone like me. Uh, and she was just lovely as could be. Um, we chatted quite a bit off off tape about our dogs and, and and things like that. It was it was really fun to talk to her. So I appreciate it very much her taking the time to do this show. Joining us next on the show uh, for the band Riot Act is Rick Ventura. Rick um, was a member of, for many, many years, with the band Riot, or Riot V, Riot 5, depending on how you want to call it, but I think everyone called them Riot. You know, they were the band that um, started in the late 70s and and from New York had um, several really, really solid albums, toured with some great bands, um, kind of a power metal-y sort of uh, band that it unfortunately didn't quite get the 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 love from the charts and, and the fans the magazines and things of that era that they really deserved so uh rick had taken lou's place lou the original guitarist rick had replaced him on the third album the rita and uh, the two of them actually uh got together and decided to to play some of the old riot music and and opted to essentially write a new album uh, record some of the great hits with Lou and Rick playing both on those. Unfortunately, Lou was not able to play on the on the the newer stuff. But uh, so they're releasing closer to the flame. It will be out mid-April, um, and it's got a great collection of new material, uh, which features Rick on on guitar uh, with some new members that we talk about in the interview. And, and Lou uh, is then able to join uh, Rick on kind of the the classic riot songs on the second disc so it's a really cool package um you know some great new 
clean sounding recordings of the riot classics so, you know probably a lot of people out there maybe had some cassettes or if you're lucky you have the vinyl which is probably worth a fortune maybe had a cd here or there from riot um, but this gives you a way to hear you know some great mastered um, clean recordings of these songs with modern technology and then also new material from rick and the new band so we're going to play you a little riot act we'll get into that interview with rick venture to talk all about it. <laughs> We have on the line Rick Ventura of Riot Act. How you doing, Rick? Hey, good. Very good, John. Pleasure to have you on the show. Um, you obviously were 
kind of a, a key element of the band Riot through sort of the, the, the classic years of the band, actually taking Lou's uh, spot in the band, you know, kind of ironically. And, and you and Lou had gotten uh, kind of in line and started Riot Act. Unfortunately, we lost Lou um, to COVID. But um, can you talk a little bit about what brought you two to this project? Uh, Lou did, actually. Um, it all started uh, a number of years ago. He, he would contact me and talk about, you know, getting together. And uh, I was a bit reluctant, um, you know, trying to recreate something. But, you know, he was persistent. He said, It'd be a lot of fun if we played together. You know, we never played together. Mm -hmm. um, I replaced him on the Narita album. And, uh, you know, we were friends. We'd run into each other over the years. But what's interesting, uh, a few years back, Riot was uh, inducted into the heavy metal Hall of uh, History, they call it, Hall of Fame, Hall of History. Right. And Lou and I went out to California for the ceremony, and... Um, it was uh, really a, a, an honor to be recognized after all these years. And it seems my band influenced a lot of other bands. And yeah. um, so it was, it was a thrill. Uh, after that, uh, Lou and I had guested with uh, Riot 5, which is the band had continued after uh, mm -hmm. my period. Mark Reale continued the band and... Mark had passed away, and I was asked to appear in, in lieu at various shows. So we started to get out there, and um, and it just lit a fire in us, really, because um, we got very good response. And I finally said to Lou, uh, this, the, on the flight home from that um, ceremony, you know, Lou, I think you're right. I think it'd be kind of cool if we got together and did something. Um, it just sort of happened. Uh, the, the timing just came together, and uh, we—I um, was at the moment at that time. I was playing with uh, Claudio and Paul, a bass player and drummer. Mm -hmm. And because uh, Lou had said, "Hey, who's going to play?" And I said, "Hmm, well, I'm playing with these guys. They're really good, you know." And so we, four of us, got together, and it's. It just sounded great. We started playing the old riot tunes, and uh, Lou and I just had a big smile on our face. It, we just, uh, it was such a thrill. It just sounded so cool. I never played with him before, you know? So it was a trip playing those old riot tunes with him. And um, so then we got our, so a friend of his got Don Chafin on vocals, and here we are. Yeah, and that was a. Uh obviously a, a great addition to kind of round out the sound but, you know riot was kind of a band that that i know for a lot of you know fans of the 80s metal who who maybe you know remember Riot mm -hmm. from that era lou was kind of already gone at that time and, and this was you know obviously way before the internet and you know you relied on hit parade oh, and sure, circus yeah. and stuff what do you know really what was in Lou's decision to leave the band and and how you kind of came to take his role and then how did you two you know meet first and, and was there animosity in that situation no not really um 
I was around in the very early days. I had met Mark because we lived in the same neighborhood. He literally, literally lived around the corner from me. Okay. And I met him. You know, I was a, I was a teenager, you know, and I, I, I would walk around the block and I hear music blasting from this house. <laughs> I'm going, what is going on in here? It's just like really loud band playing. And I... Um, Wound up hanging out and meeting Mark. They came outside and wound up becoming friends with him. And okay. I was there like practically every other day. So, and this is when, you know, the very beginning of Riot. Uh, sure. Not even the members from uh, Narita. And um, so as the band evolved, you know, I was always watching it progress and start, they started to write originals. And uh, I, I, I think at that time I was I had joined a band because mm. I was still young. I was probably in nineteen, and I, jo- I joined another band and stuff. They got Lou because Mark wanted another guitar player, and um, so I became and I was always down there. So I became friends with Lou. In fact, I used to dabble in tinkering with guitars. I remember you know putting his. Um, tuning pegs on his guitar new tuning pegs on his guitar he always reminded me of that years later you know sure. he was a few, a few years older than me so um that's how i met lou uh so i was always friendly with him uh, he when he left it was it kind of fell apart a bit with mark and him i think it was a direction and you know when you got two really good guitar players um trying to go for the spotlight i think mark um didn't like that (laughs) it's my thought and uh and lou was gone yeah i came in they go ahead what was what do you think i mean when you look back at riot i mean you guys had the tours but what was it do you think that kind of kept the band from really breaking through to kind of that next level you know, you look at, you know, a lot of bands that, that started in that era either became huge or never did. Mm-hmm. There was, wasn't was a lot of in-between there. You know, you did the tours with, with Sammy Hagar, I sure. know, ACDC. Was it, you know, a, kind of a record company always had another priority or, or do you, anything you would attribute to kind of the, you know, mm-hmm. meteoric rise a lot of bands either had or didn't? Yeah, we were really on the verge of really breaking big. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a combination of um, of really frustration with management and semantics that went on with record companies. And um, it's a combination of that and a combination of guy leaving the band. Yeah. Um, which that business aspect and the frustration of the guy was doing it for many years and uh, he might have just been fed up mm-hmm. with not getting anywhere and so it's a combination of, of both those things um, at that time we were touring with Rush during the Moving Pictures tour and yeah. it was a great period uh, I remember meeting manager of Metallica I remember him telling me you guys are going to be the next big thing but you have to uh break away <laughs> yeah. from your management I'll never forget that um, so I think that might have led the guy might have been tired of it too you know I'll, I'll never know for sure yeah he's gone now um, so yeah. it's a combination of both those things it is it's interesting to see you know you go back and, and I think 
with time comes some clarity and people can talk a little more freely about it. But it, it's interesting mm. to see, you know, how, you know, things go on in more in business meetings that affect the outcome. You know, you listen to the material as I did in, you know, going back and revisiting some of that stuff and every bit as strong mm-hmm. as your contemporaries and no reason we shouldn't be sitting here talking about you guys still playing arenas at this point, you know, and, and enjoying mm-hmm. the kind of success mm-hmm. that a rush had, for example. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's, right. it's, it a lot of times comes down to, you know, one guy at a record company who decided we're going to focus on band ABC, not literally ABC, but, you know, fill in the, in the blank of the sure, name sure. <laughs> and, and they're going to go and, right. and, uh, you know, we're going to devote our efforts. You know, I, I recall reading something from Bruce Springsteen in the early days of his career where, you know, he felt that the record company was more committed to Billy Joel. You know, think about that, you know, you know that someone was holding right, Bruce Springsteen right. down based on business decisions, but it certainly happens. So when you guys got... Yeah, sure. To, I'm sorry. When you got together to do this record, you know, when did you decide, okay, you know, this is fun doing this. Let's let's write some new music. Was that mm-hmm. always the goal when you got together with Lou? Um, that, that was my goal. I, I definitely want to. I've always written and I've always kept, uh, I guess, kept the dream of lie alive, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for myself. Um, when we first got together, we were doing um, some some of the old Riot tunes, and we did a six-song EP. Record like company had asked for that, and we figured it would be a good way to get band noticed you know the existing fans of the band because they're, they're still fans of the band and new fans of the band so uh, we figured how how cool would that be to release a six song EP and with Lou and I nobody ever heard us play together there would be a little treat just a little um, give a taste at the band because promoters and people in the business they want to you know they hear okay Rick and Lou getting together but you know yeah. can these guys are they still any good you know yeah I mean that's <laughs> so a realistic you know we, we, yeah Realistic sure. question, you know, but it and it it yeah, came off so cool, and I, I have to applaud, you know, the choice of Don um, on vocals. You know, when I listened to to the new material, it, it almost reminded me. That the first thing I thought of was almost like April Wine's singer, whose name is totally escaping me, but you know, he's got a real power to his voice, which brought a lot, oh, yeah. you know, to the new music, but also really I think breathed life into, you know, the the you know the kind of the classic songs which you know obviously the recording technology has come a long way since those songs were mm. cut um was it fun to go back For and sure. kind of to do those songs you know the original ones or or you do you have to kind of like peel away some rust and remember how to how you know how exact parts went and things like that back in that era uh believe it or not you we used to rehearse so often and played so much that Everything comes back to you very quickly. Yeah. Uh, we went over. The guys in the band, you know, had to learn the stuff because they sure. played, and so getting that, the sound and the the approach, because everybody has a different style mm-hmm. of, of playing. So that was uh, we had to work on that a bit. It wasn't too bad at all. Um, as far as Lou and I uh, getting together, it really wasn't a problem. <laughs> we remembered a lot of parts. We, of course, we you know we put on the records and listen to stuff and i'd say oh okay forgot about that little part or whatever yeah uh things like that um but it was it was it was fun playing the songs are fun to play especially live they're just 
they just, I don't know, they have a life to them, and they're just full of energy. So yeah. it's a lot of fun to play those tunes. So, we, so that's why we got a kick out of it. Um, but I, you know, I was, I was like, okay, I, I really, you know, I'm going to focus on originals, and yeah, of course, I, I didn't want to just go, hey, uh, here's Rydak, we're just reliving the past with mm-hmm. riot stuff. I was just, hey, you know, here's a vehicle to for new music and yeah. for people that enjoyed riot in the past and hopefully will enjoy this new music, new band. Um, and Don's vocals are just just killer on the, on the new record. Yeah, and, and on the old stuff, he does does it justice. Do you when, when you put new That's material cool bonus. when you put new material together? Was there a conscious discussion with Lou to say, you know, we need to kind of be in some sort of mold of what Riot is and was, or is this just Rick, Lou, Paul, Claudio, and Don? This is what we sound like in 2020, 2021 era. You know, we're just going to write organically to sound like the five of us, or is it is it a decision where we, if we're going to use the riot kind of umbrella, so to speak, we need to kind of be in that right. vein. You know, you don't want to necessarily put out a full-on thrash album or you know a singer-songwriter album or sure. something like that. Was that kind of in the discussions, or just natural? Right. Yeah, well, the, the, I'll tell you what happened. Unfortunately, is two years ago this month, Lou passed away from COVID. Mm-hmm. So um, we actually stopped what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we had recorded the Riot tunes, and but we had not ventured into the original area. So after he passed away, we really stopped for quite a few months. Sure. And uh, I was kind of freaked out quite a bit because of uh, the past history with Riot losing Guy, Rhett, yeah. and Mark, and now Lou was just like you know, a string of bad luck and it was just uh, very, very disturbing and we were all bummed out for quite a bit mm-hmm. at the time. Um, after a while we got together, we spoke, and um, I had a lot of music that I wanted to record and the guys wanted to play. And so here was a chance to do only material, and we just forged ahead mm-hmm. and came up with ten, ten new songs. And we didn't really, you know, I, I just went when I write. I, I, I wasn't even thinking about okay, you know, I'm not trying to replicate a, a, any period. Or mm-hmm. it's just you know, right. It's always been in me from being around the band for so many years, mm-hmm. and I was always into that style high energy rock and roll and um i just write what comes out of me and if i if i have to like it first if i don't like it then you know it goes by the wayside but that's really how it's really just genuine whatever came out came out and don he just related to it i would send him some demos i did and Mm -hmm. he just wow he just like took it to another level so everybody just contributed and it Turned out to be a really cool record. Yeah, it is, and, and I think it's it's a it's it's wonderful that you had the opportunity to do what you did, you know, in the time, you know, you had left to, to work on that with him and kind of, you know, have that time capsule. And so the one of the the wonderful things about music is, you know, we lose, you know, in, in all walks of life we lose people, but music and, and you know, some of the arts give mm-hmm. you a chance to really enjoy someone's work well beyond 
you know, their their time with us. It's great you have that testament to that. Sure. Um, the album. Yeah, we hit, it's a two record set. Yeah, so yeah. Um, just to let you know, the, the second the uh, bonus CD has twelve tracks of the Riot stuff and Lou's on there, so it's a tribute to him. So right, fans get to hear him at least. So that's yeah, cool. that, that's a really cool thing. So you can kind of go back and you know, it, it is a neat way to kind of bookend the band in, in a way. You you know, you can listen to him mm. on the you know the Rock City album, come up and listen to this album, and, and really kind of span the uh, the the gamut of his stuff. So closer to the flame will be available mm. April in the in um, the U.S. on April fifteenth. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Is that you said CD? Will it be available on vinyl or? to be determined based on eventually hmm. yeah I, I i know there's a vinyl shortage a pvc shortage or something it takes close to a year i think to get a, yeah, that's a, a record out now actual piece of vinyl from what i've been reading so it, yeah i would love to do that i'm sure that we will be doing that uh right now you know it's uh downloads and there'll be a cd uh the first hundred or two uh I think we we actually signed. We have uh, signatures on uh, okay. the album cover postcard. It's a little bonus thing out there, and uh, so it's a cool thing for fans and for the first few hundred people. Do you guys plan to take it on the road now that things are getting a little bit easier to do that kind of stuff, or is it still trying to fit together, you know, travel restrictions and the risk of? booking shows and having to cancel and the yeah. costs and things like that or I know I know it's been going on for so long and luckily we do have some dates um, that are pretty concrete at the uh, we've gone to England the end of August mm-hmm. first week of September um, and it'll be our first time actually performing because we haven't performed uh, since the ceremony in uh, 2020 at the heavy right. metal club uh, Hall of Fame. We actually performed there, and that was right after that. You know, COVID hit. Yeah. We lost Lou, and it was all downhill. Uh, so, you know, we're excited to play. Yes. Yeah. It's been way too long. Will you be um, adding another guitarist, or will you just be taking, kind of doing all the parts? Yeah, his his what we decided. We, we talked about that. Um, there was such a cool camaraderie with the band members, and uh, we really didn't want to replace him. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of felt uncomfortable. I, I felt very playing with Lou is just like you know, it was just so comfortable. And I don't think I'm going to get that from anybody else that's from the outside. Sure. Um, that I don't know. I just because there's a whole history there. There was that whole history we both went through that period in riot the ups and downs and uh, so i decided to hey let's just do it we'll do a three-piece we played it sounded sounded pretty cool there was a lot of energy to it um so we we went with uh going four piece actually you know with don, with the vocals, don yeah. uh yeah he does a, a guitar okay he plays guitar so he, we're gonna uh if you're listening out there, Don, you're going to be strapping on a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be asking for a raise. Yeah, the keynote. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, see. yeah, yeah. He'll be he'll be helping out on guitar, um, but it's basically going to be a, th- a three piece band. Sure, you know, well, vocal. Well, hopefully, I, I imagine, and I listen to this material, and I think, well, you know, this is exactly the kind of thing you see going over, you know, in in kind of European markets, you know, the festival kind of stuff. It seems tailor made for that, but right. hopefully, we can see in the states um, before too long. Again, the the new album will be available April fifteenth, closer to the flame, um, and. Rick, I really wanted to thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure catching up with you, and I wish you guys all the best, man. Oh, same here. It's a pleasure talking with you. All right, a big thank you to Rick Ventura, Riot Act. That new album will be out mid-April. Deborah Bonham of Bonham Bulick. That album will be out April 29th. And also Amos Lee joining us. He'll be at the Biome Theater on April 20th. So lots of cool things for your ears in April. Uh, I know we kind of threw a lot of different genres of music. We went from the metal to the classic rock to the soulful pop rock uh, of Amos Lee. So we, we hope you enjoyed the variety. Let us know. IronCityRocks at gmail.com. Drop us an email. Let us know. Do you like, do you want shows that are full on one genre? Do you like a blend to keep the show a little bit more interesting? Let us know. Love to hear from you. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, uh, TikTok, YouTube, you name it. We are Iron City Rocks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us. Um, And we appreciate you listening so much. If you enjoyed the show, there are 482 previous episodes to soak up. Almost 12 years or so. Actually, more than 12 years at this point worth of podcasts. So uh, I invite you to check out ironcityrocks.com. Go to the podcast link. You can get to all the back episodes from episode 1 through 183. Uh, Check them out. We'd appreciate the listen and any feedback you could give us. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.